When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, you guys. Just wanted to let you know. This show's funded by our patrons. It's true. We are not under the the umbrella of the man. Nope, not yet. We haven't signed our souls. And Brad and I work fairly hard putting out this <laughs> podcast and making it good. And uh, it would be really nice if you could support. If you enjoyed this podcast or have enjoyed previous podcasts or are planning on enjoying the one coming up. <laughs> maybe visit yeah. our patreon yeah we have what on there we got extra content we got video we got some writing we have our uh thursday fireside chat only available to the patrons brad cracks an ipa and <laughs> maybe many ipas and tells old stories about mick jones and cool stuff like that if you have the money and you have the time Please support the program. We would appreciate it. Patreon.com slash going off track. Go check it out. Felonious. I've said that word a lot too. Have you? I have. I've like many times said something kidding with someone about the felonious tones of my voice. But I've never confirmed if Thelonious Monk I'm not gonna look it up. made up this word or not. I'm going to let you have it. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm looking it up. Let's see. Thelonious. Uh-oh. The first thing that comes up is Thelonious Monk. <laughs> <laughs> not a real word. It's a given name. Okay. It's an actual name. It's someone's name. Thelonious. You're, that, you're using, that you're using as an adjective. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Huh. And he didn't even sing. And there's your <laughs> lesson for the day. He was just a piano player. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thelonious, not a word. And if it is, make sure you capitalize it. What's going on, Brad? Who knows? You could make it a word, though. I mean, isn't that how it works? You can make whatever the fuck you want a word. Just you as know? long as enough people pick up on it. Listen, bro. I haven't lived 40 years in America. If I can't make up my own words, that's freedom. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, that's Absolutely. what it's all about, Brad. And no one can take that away from me. You know, you can totally. pry new words out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You can really use that for anything and make those people seem stupid. America, America, yeah. those people, Benny. Oh, jeez, jeez, <laughs> not diplomatic. <laughs> Not diplomatic oh, no. at all. 
you know, fuck those people. That's what I'm saying. No, stop it. <laughs> we're supposed to be bringing people together, Brad. Uh, when you were like walking through rural Massachusetts in the seventies, where <laughs> were you like, I mean, where does this come from? Were you getting like pelted with rocks by like, like trashers riding around in pickup trucks and stuff? Oh no. In middle school, those were all my bros, dude. <laughs> so you were, you were one. Yeah, absolutely. My best friend lived in a trailer. Okay. What's his vibe? He joined the army and I don't know. Maybe he's listening. What's up, Kay? <laughs> yeah, what up, Kay? Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I got to like, I got to the point when I was like in 10th grade and I, uh, I didn't want to go to college. I, had no, I didn't think I wanted to go to college, but I realized that I was not going to have the option. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. And I kind of like, turned it around kind of dropped my old friends now and, uh, that's kind of interesting though since your dad is a biblical archaeologist oh there's three or four there may be four doctor's degrees in my house there's at least wow. three yeah okay so you yeah. did have another path available to you <laughs> in the home <laughs> well i mean i had guidance that's for sure yeah 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 i had a very <laughs> similar experience with going to college like Towards the end of high school, I was like, nah, like, it's just not for me. I'm playing music. I'm doing shows. Like, that's my vibe, you know? And Mm. I had already moved out of my mom's, like, before I graduated when I was 17. And I was working a couple jobs. But one of the ones I was working was at a place called the Super Saver Liquor Locker, which is one of those (laughs) big, like, liquor warehouse (laughs) type places. It was on Route 22 in Somerville. (laughs) <laughs> right behind this big apartment complex that had a lot of local drunkies. And it, it was a ripper of a place. I worked there for a long Sounds time. Like the it. job wasn't that bad. But I had some pretty awful managers. I don't know if you can imagine what a mid-level liquor store <laughs> manager is like at those times. But they're not happy with their <laughs> lives usually. And the right. you know, 17, 18-year-old like ragamuffins they have working in the back giving them shit usually doesn't go so well and i'm looking down one night i'm on literally i had just stacked maybe i'm like seven or eight feet in the air stacked on uh bud uh can cases and i'm sitting up there i kind of just finished and i'm like all right i'm gonna chill out for a sec and i look down at this guy i never forget his name is steve and i just saw him all angry and old and like not doing what he wanted. And I had this like revelation. I was like, oh no. Like if I don't go to school, I'm gonna be Steve. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this isn't good. I'm either gonna be Steve or I'm gonna be like ponytail man who works at the deli who still plays in bands when he's like yeah. 45 and he's still giving you flyers. I'm like, so one way or the other, I don't like the way this is panning out. And that's when I literally signed up for like financial aid and started going to community college. I, I found out it didn't work for me, but I'll never forget Steve at the, at the uh, Super Saver Liquor Locker teaching me this life lesson by default, you know? Put you on the path. I mean, I might have not gone except, you know, I was in a small town and I didn't know how to get out except that I knew that like all my idols had gone to, or most of them had gone to art school, you know, like I think Joe Strummer and like, Mm. yeah, like a lot of the, a lot of musicians had kind of met in art school, at least according to what I was reading and 
whatever in, in, in the Bauhaus monthly to, or whatever. I was trying to think of like what a good 70s. <laughs> <laughs> You're 80s, reading. 80s rag. What yeah, I was reading yeah. in Cream magazine. <laughs> well, man, all of this uh, leads to Josh Gondelman coming off as a, a highly educated fellow. You know, he talks and I'm just like, man, I'm just like, I want to listen to you. You seem smart and and fuck i was like 10 minutes into the research for this interview and i'm like you know what i can't wait to talk to this guy yeah yeah yeah. i'm like he seems so bright and so vibrant and you know and i know i've made the mistake a couple times already on the podcast and i haven't even told you about this where i finish an interview and i kind of think i made a new friend you know because it feels like such a good conversation so like you know like intimate and like we're talking about like your family and stuff like that i'm like all right we're friends now and then i'll like write a follow-up email and i'm like oh oh, we're not friends i'm like i forget (laughs) but josh another one i walked away from this i'm like hey you want to go to a basketball game with me like i want to be your friend you seem so nice You know, I need nice friends like him. He said it sounds like fun. I think you I think you may be going to a game with him. Yeah, but he's so nice. He would never just be like, oh, that's right. He would never he would never go like, listen, man, you're overstepping your bounds. (laughs) You cross the line. (laughs) Yeah, like that's not happening. So we'll see. Josh, if you're listening, the offer is on the table to come to a Nets game with me. But feel no pressure. I know you have very famous friends. You probably go sit courtside with Jesus and Mero. You don't need my seats, <laughs> but but the invitation is open, Josh. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I didn't really think about that fact that he is just too nice to say no. Probably. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He would never <laughs> tell, never tell me in my face. Well, Josh, you, you hit me up, okay? Just let me know. I won't be offended either way, okay? <laughs> Should we get into it? Let's listen. I got to be honest, doing research on you, I felt an automatic kinship to you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Because I've always been known as a really nice, friendly Jewish guy. Mm-hmm. Just like you. Same. Same. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and, and even doing, there is one thing in doing research for you that really struck a chord with me that I was like, wow, this dude might be a lot like me. And it was when you were talking about growing up with encyclopedias. Oh yeah, where just like, sure. like you had to have the set. But the yep. thing I hadn't thought about was the fact that like, oh right, this is like the books that like seven old white men two hundred years ago wanted everyone to know for sure. And this was like I had a set when I was in like elementary school. Right. What we had in my home was like a set from like the fifties or sixties, um, and I, you know I grew up in. Like the, this is the nineties when I would have been like a kid, but doing research projects with these encyclopedias. So I'd be like, dad, um, what's this about a Soviet union? (laughs) (laughs) Just like that kind of stuff. Like it says man has not yet, not yet landed upon the moon. (laughs) It's like, well, that's a different argument now. (laughs) Like dad, I need to know about the song wind of change. Come on, it's not in here, man. According to the yeah, according to the encyclopedia, that song doesn't exist. The band doesn't exist. Right. Scorpions was it? It was the Scorpions. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had a uh, a Trivial Pursuit set when I was a kid that was very similar. It was not only from like the 1950s; it was some <laughs> Canadian version. 
Oh, so that's so tough. <laughs> we had to set. We literally had to set a new set of rules that if it was like a pre nineteen eighties Canadian question, like discarded. Yeah, like this man hosted the CBC's tenth right. rated news broadcast yeah. from nineteen seventy to exactly. nineteen seventy four, and it's exactly. like, no, we can't. <laughs> I we shan't. Can't. This is not nice. I'm I'm forbidden from playing Trivial Pursuit. <gasps> My wife forbid me. Why? Do you I, get too mad? Because I, I, I there was a few family games like with with one of our parents. I can't remember which. That like I I completely lost my shit because I was like that's not the right answer. It was something I think it was like a technical thing like you would love this too. It was probably some like technical like scientific right. I don't know, but I was like I was absolutely confident it was the wrong answer on the I part. know for certain it's 2.4 <laughs> megahertz. Yeah. yeah. I, I know it. it. That's so, so I'm not funny. Allowed to play. Wow, I'm Brad, not allowed I'm going to use that against you, the fact that you think you know more than the encyclopedia. <laughs> Anytime I argue with you. <laughs> We've been rewatching um Seinfeld the last few months, like from Ooh, the beginning. Wow. We're 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 in season nine now. But that the moops uh trivial <laughs> pursuit was like, it says the moops. It's like <laughs> such a, it's like, yeah, I can I, like at my worst when I'm like not feeling confident or happy. I when I watch George Costanza, I'm like, yeah, that's what a person should do. And then when I'm in like a good headspace, I'm like, that's the worst. That is, those are the worst <laughs> uh, impulses right. a human being could have. Yeah. Is that the magic of Seinfeld? Because that's actually something I wanted to ask you about. Was that I've never been. I love Seinfeld. I think it's wildly entertaining and funny. But I've never really been able to understand what was the universal principle of Seinfeld that brought people in who aren't from New York or aren't Jewish. Aren't Jewish, right. My friend Allison Leiby, who's a really, really funny comedian and writer, we've been talking because I've been rewatching the whole thing and she's a huge Seinfeld fan and about how even though Jerry is the only like canonically <laughs> Jewish main character, like, right, the yeah, Costanzas yeah. are Jewish. Like Elaine is yeah. like... Right. Kind of tracks as Jewish. And, yeah. But so like, it feels so Jewish, but they like, they're like, oh no, George is Italian. And his, but it's like, no, he's Larry David. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's yeah. That's true. So what do you think it is? What's like the, you know, as someone who writes comedy, what, what's, what's the meat inside of there that's actually like drawing your, you know, person from the middle of Kansas who maybe's never met a Jew? Like, what's actually bringing them in? I think it's how picky they get with stuff. Like, how close they zoom in. Because they're not like, oh, you know, Jewish references. Like, uh, you know, I right. like I've done um, enough synagogue gigs in my time. Not to brag about doing stand-up in synagogues, but I've done enough <laughs> that, like, there's some, like, you can kind of ease your way into it with some, like, general, like, not even jokes, just like uh, like winking references to stuff. And I think Seinfeld doesn't do that. Right. They just zoom way in and they're like, you know when someone talks okay. too quiet and you hate it? You know what I mean? And they just like, even stuff that like has never happened ever, they treat it like it's this phenomenon yeah. that is like, could happen to anyone at any time. Like you could meet someone sure. at any time who just like is naked all the time. And it, like when opening <laughs> jars and sanding the floor and it's like, that's nobody, <laughs> but there's like a kernel of that where you're like, yeah, it is weird. Like I did have that one roommate who would like, they would vacuum right. naked and like, what the hell? <laughs> right. Well, okay. And that's the thing when you are a New Yorker, like it doesn't take you long to realize that they didn't have to write anything. You know, <laughs> they literally didn't have to write. Like you wouldn't have to make up anything. Like all of that stuff has happened to me, and crazier. 
Yes. Yeah. It's so wacky. And then just like <laughs> tightening it up and like, uh, you know, polishing it and showcasing it in a TV friendly way. But yeah, I agree. There's like I, it, the, the most New York thing about it to me isn't like the any specific neighborhood or any specific like right. the subway stuff. It, it's the idea of like, you just want to like meet up with your friends and see a movie or you just want to go to the diner and everyone you meet on your way there is annoying. <laughs> or insane, yeah. Yeah, you're right. just like, how is this, what does this person do? Do you ever have this feeling where you meet a person and, and they're just so unreasonable that you're like, what are you like the rest of the time? How do you subsist in this world? Right. Like not, and I don't mean that in like, in terms of like, a person who is living with mental illness, right? Like, I don't right. mean like, oh, a yeah. homeless person. I mean, like, you meet a guy and, and you're like, hey, can I, can I, uh, walk around you to get to this bag of chips? And he's like, I'm looking at those chips. And you're like, <laughs> you took it to 15 out of 10 over yeah. me saying, please, can I get past you to look yeah, at right, these right. chips? Right. You're like, what do you, like, like who, sometime today you're going to punch someone. Yeah. Right. This is clearly not about the chips, friend. Can we talk? Right. This yeah. isn't about me. This isn't about this interaction. <laughs> right. And this is not, I'm not the only person you're going to yell at today. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing in New York. Like when you're around there and I don't think I truly notice until I like go on tour or do something that, you know, takes me away from the tri-state area long enough to know that the chip thing, that's like an accumulation of, Right. Weeks and weeks and weeks of muckiness just to do mm -hmm. the simplest task. Like, like you yep. own a dog in New York, right? Mm -hmm. Like, isn't every yes. time you leave the house to walk your dog, it's just, it's an adventure. You never know. Yes. You never know what's yeah. going to happen, right? Right. Some weird person is going to be weird at you <laughs> or like there's going to be some like thing on the, you're going to be like, Oh, why is there like uh like a cat skeleton on the sidewalk? <laughs> don't eat that. just like yeah. yeah, just don't eat one. You're not yeah. the bones will get stuck. Don't do it. Yeah. Um I know this is your natural enemy. <laughs> but it's yeah, that's like I truly feel like the and and my life is so generally like pleasant and gentle like my experience of New York City at this point in my life is like uh, my my wife and I have like a, a apartment where we have this little office space. So we're not, you know, when we're both working from home, we're not on top of one another. We um, live close to the subway. It's like we we're we're not struggling financially at this moment. So like all this stuff is like I, I'm so lucky to have that. But all that said, there's just like the idea of like okay, I need to like get a new chair and it's a place that's like 10 blocks away and it i don't have a car and so like everything becomes like this this right. intricate problem solving of like do i take a lift there and then have them wait while i get the chair and then take it back or do i like call the lift when i get the chair? like everything is just like so everything is so complicated yeah yeah have you always had that like that part, I mean, it always seems to me you're obviously a very thoughtful and empathetic guy, at least on the surface, unless you murder people on the <laughs> side, it seems possible. But it seems like comedy always takes like kind of like a keen observational eye like that. And do you, do you remember even as like a kid when you were younger, do you, being sort of a, an interested observer in, the, in like the human condition like that? Yeah, I think as a kid, I mean, I think that maybe gives me a little too much credit. As <laughs> I think when I was a child, I wouldn't be like, when I was 10, I, you know, I started observing the human condition right. young, but I was, <laughs> I was definitely like, I, 
I would get, um, I would notice little like hypocrisies or um, little inconsistencies and like kind of seize on those kind of things. Like I remember even mm. as a kid, which actually was a Seinfeld bit at probably around the same time, but like, I think I noticed it separately. The idea of like when you, when you would start going into a movie theater or whatever, and they would have a medium and a large soda and no small. And I, it would like drive, I would just be like, it's a small and a large. It's, you, right. There's no medium because medium is the middle ground between things. And it's like that kind of stuff I've, I've like noticed. And I think like a lot of the comedy that, you know, my stand up, um, and even like to an extent, my podcast, it's like comes from a place of feeling like, overwhelmed like i'm not usually on stage like mad at stuff mm. i'm just like overwhelmed by it or like befuddled by it or you know um that's like kind of where i come from i'm I'm not it's not a lot of like and and let me tell you about this idiot right right <laughs> like, right, right, right. <laughs> so it's more like working through it as you go yeah it's just like oh man like i just like, why is everything such an ordeal? I think is like, or like, hey, this, this thing happened. And like, I, that's a lot of like, I really like this. You know, this is like very uh, exciting and novel to me. Just kind of like pointing out like, oh, this, this is why this thing that we treat as normal is actually like very overwhelming to me. Sure. In a good way or, or a stressful way. Right. Well, that takes a little bit of like a concept of just like, injustice right to just know that something's bothering you like mm-hmm. like it's just fundamentally wrong or were your uh were your parents like that like did, did you get any influence from them in that way i think so it's it's interesting because i think my dad is like that but he but like when i was a kid i think my parents are very like sweet and good people mm-hmm. but my dad does get like riled up over and, and not he's not like an angry dude but he these little injustices i think he um, he really, he'll, he'll like go to the war. Like the big one when I was a kid, this is like a great example. He okay. would sign up. The Boston Globe would have like a, a special where you could get like six weeks for a dollar a week of newspaper sure. deliveries. And he would sign up. And then at the end of six weeks, they would bump the price up. And he was like, they should oh, right. tell me that, you know, they should tell me that I should re-up or discontinue my subscription after my six weeks end. So he, they kept bumping up that like he would call and cancel and then they would offer him the the discount rate again and then they would bump up the price and so finally he was just like no more like i'm (laughs) the boston globe i will it will no longer be delivered here because they they're the way they their pricing structure works is like a pain in my butt And, and so it's like that kind of thing but also he's like really active in his trade union he's a member he was a glazer so we did like windows and oh, storefronts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was really active in the, the union. So I think there's a lot of like, I think that was like a, a place where his sense mm. of justice was like sure. applied. And, and he would like tell me about that kind of stuff, like going to the meetings and like speaking up for like, well, we're part of this bigger umbrella organization and we want our benefits up on par with the other uh, people's mm. benefits because, you know, we work as hard as them and we pay the same dues. And so that kind of stuff is like from a, a legitimate, like, Yes, we we have to like people should be treated fairly, but then there were also the little things about like the newspaper and whatnot. <laughs> right. Well, that's fucked up. Even you're telling me this story, and I still it's, yeah. it's fucked up when they yeah. do that to hey, people. I yeah. don't like some Columbia yep. House bullshit. You know, it just happened to me today where I was subscribed, and I'm gonna I'm like 
try, I debated. I was like, do I do it? Do I unsubscribe? Because I know they're running the deal again. Yeah. Is I subscribed to the athletic oh, for right. their basketball coverage. Yeah. I haven't and jumped over doing, that paywall yet. Yeah. I, I, it was, they, so they had a deal. It was a, a dollar a month for six months. Okay. And I was like, I, I saw yesterday maybe that they were doing the deal again. And I was like, well, my six months can't possibly be up. And then today, like one day later, I got the, um, uh, charge to your credit card seven ninety nine, and I was like, oh, <laughs> no, no. and I was like, do I? And and like I entered into this contract of my own volition. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's this is on me for sure. Right. But um, but now I'm like, okay, do I do I pay the seven ninety nine or do I cancel? And then, tr- and then try to resubscribe for the one dollar rate, and be like, "No, I'm a new subscriber because I canceled." Right? <laughs> they gotta know. And then, right, they, right, they have my information on file. Yeah. This is not going to be a secret to them. Yeah. So it's all about just like how, like, am I willing to endure the ordeal of being like, "No, you said there's a deal." Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now this is we got to keep Brad out of this question cuz this just occurred in my mind. But do you ever like get to a situation like that and be like, "You know what? I can't be the Jewish guy who goes to the nines on this one." Oh yeah. Cuz it just feels yeah, 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 yeah. too weird. No doubt. I am so it, I will not the the links I'll go to like avoid sending food back cuz I'm right. I'm right. like yeah. I'm not, I'm a little picky. Like I have a couple picky food things where like I'll order a sandwich with no tomatoes. And then if the tomatoes come, I pull the tomatoes off. Yeah. Same, I, same. it's, it's just like, who that seems that like, drama? yeah. Yeah. Who wants that drum? Who wants to be that guy right. that's like, actually, can you make it again? And it's like 50 50, they're just going to scrape the tomatoes off. Yeah. And and then bring it back, and then they're gonna, and they're also gonna not like me. Yes, there's <laughs> so like, no way to get out of that feeling cool right, at all. Right, right. So I'm just gonna do. I'm gonna short circuit that complaint, and then just scrape them off myself and enjoy the sandwich. What? Ninety nine percent as much. I'm not right. allergic. It's yeah. fine. Just I but I'm go. so I I'm just like. I am so concerned with not looking like the guy that's like, the soup is too cold. Yeah. Now it's too hot. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like him so, yeah, I, I hate to think of myself as being that yeah. person. It's a weird overcompensation I, I have to deal. I actually hadn't really considered it much. And something happened just recently where I, I went to go, uh, I went to go hike with my family Mm-hmm. And it was a Saturday and we were about to go on the trail and the trail was closed for deer hunting because it's like, you know, the deer hunting season. Mm-hmm. And my first instinct, it's like it's fucking Saturday, you know, like I'm out here yeah. with my family, like this is kind of fucking stupid. Go shoot your deer on Tuesday or something. Right. So <laughs> I find one email on the list who's like the stewardship council guy, sure. you know, and I start my email. I'm like, hey, listen, like I just hit this trail with my family. You know, this is kind of weird with timing. It's the weekend. Like, this doesn't seem necessary. And I'm about to sign it, Ben Horowitz. And I'm like, nope. (laughs) I'm like, I'm just putting Ben. And I censored my last name because I'm like, I don't know who I'm writing. Right, like, like, and I don't oh, know if this person this gets Jew doesn't yeah, this fucking hunt. annoying Jew out on the trail. <laughs> always finds something to complain about. 
And I was like, no. And I censored my name because of it. Yeah. I know, I know that feeling. I know that feeling well. And it's, I, and I'm not like a super complainy person, but it is like something has to rise. Like I, I, something has to rise to the level of like, not only is it inconvenient for me, but like there's something else at stake. Like mm. I, I like never write bad reviews of stuff. No, like no. you know, I'll never like I could be in a in a ride share and they could like go up on two wheels and it's like this guy's just trying to make a yeah. living. And right. <laughs> so never the one time though was um this is like another like another Seinfeld like I have a hack life, but I was <laughs> I landed in I think Austin for a gig. And I went to the rental car place and they were like, oh yeah, it's going to be an hour. And I looked back at my reservation because I was like, oh, maybe I anticipated it would take me longer to get there. And I, nope, I like actually, you know, had reserved it a half hour early. And I was like, what do you mean it's going to be another hour? And they're like, well, more people wanted cars than we said. And I was like, or than we thought. And I was like, yeah, but I reserve, what does reserve mean? If right, not, right. there's one waiting for yeah. me. And so, and they were like, sorry, can't help you. So I sat down and I was just like messing around on my phone. And as I, um, I, as I sat down, I got the email that was like, how was your, uh, how was your experience at the rental car desk today? Because, <laughs> assuming, you know, cause the, right. the email was just time, uh, released, assuming that I'd left already. And I was like, let me tell you a couple things. But I like, since you asked. Did, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna yelp you, but you came to my inbox. So let's tango. And, but obviously like wouldn't throw the, the person at the desk under the bus, right. but I was just like, yeah, it was very unsatisfying. Like I reserved a car and there was not a car ready and I have places I have to be. That's why I reserved a rental car. Yeah, right? yeah. That's a weird one. Hey, Brad, you just yeah. don't get this at all, do you? You just get to float around this world. <laughs> no problems. As a cranky complainer. Cranky, complainy white guy. <laughs> just so nice. I, I scrape off the tomatoes too. I don't yeah, like tomatoes. Yeah. The tomato scrapers. <laughs> but I, you know, I've, I've been in the service industry and certainly been around too many people that were you know i'm not gonna send it back and be cranky no no but but for real i i think it's like that that's the thing i don't want to complain if it's gonna like come down on somebody else like if it's gonna be more inconvenient than just like oh hey could you check again like i really like you know it's like going into a store and be like hey would you mind checking in the back for these pants they don't have any of my size out here um like are you sure like it would you know, it would really, I like just need these new pants for something like that kind of stuff. But like, if it's something that like, I suspect someone else would get like yelled at if they get caught redoing it or like something that's going to come out of their paycheck. It's like, I, it would, it has to rise to like such a level of like, Hey, there's like a hypodermic needle in this, um, (laughs) in this smoothie. Would you mind just like (laughs) redoing that? That's awesome, man. I, I was wondering, I mean, we, we talked before we started recording how I hadn't realized when you were, you know, off track post-pandemic, uh, Jesus and Mero got back going within within two weeks, which is yeah, super impressive. And something I thought you might be able to speak on, I thought was interesting is, is how, how much truth do you think is in the concept that like people need entertainment, like sports and, and shows like this? Which sometimes in, you know, in the context of sports, put people in physical harm to provide that escape. Yeah. Like, do you think this is a real necessity of humans or is this just like of its own economic construct that like, it's just about jobs? 
I I think that it's like the way people say it is mostly about making money, right? Like, like people saying like, well, the the NBA being like, we have to have this All Star game, and like right. LeBron James, nope. the one of the three greatest players in league history, yeah. who seems like incredibly aware of his place in history, and like sure. so All Star appearances like probably means something to him, right? Is like there shouldn't be this game. I right. don't want to play in it. Mm-hmm. Played thirteen minutes and then sat the rest of the game. Like, right. and I that's his decision as a you know as a an employee, you know, as a worker to do that, I think is like a, and to say that. So I do think like a lot of the time when people say like, we need entertainment or whatever, um, or, or like we need something under these conditions. I do think that there is, there is truth to that, but also all previous entertainment to this point, which is so much is like at our fingertips. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the thing when someone's like, we have to get the, the, we have to make new episodes of Young Sheldon, no matter the cost. The people <laughs> demand Sheldon. It's like, I don't know. We've got so many seasons of Big Bang Theory they could just rewatch on whatever streaming platform. Yeah, yeah, that's just true. like like Sheldon. Like, we'll revisit Sheldon a year older. How about that? Right, right. I mean, did you find that? Was there any um, feedback for you all when you came back, where people were like, "Oh, goodness, thank." Thank goodness you're back on. It makes me feel so much better. People people have been so nice about having the show on. And I feel less guilty about, about doing the show because, you know, Jesus and Mero host the show separately from their two. Right. It was from their individual homes. Like they didn't, you know, occasionally someone would like come in and set up some equipment, but usually the equipment gets like sent to their house. Yeah. They set it up themselves over a... a conference call with our with our director and it's like so they and so there was such minimal risk it felt like and we've been like branching out a little bit doing a little bit more in person once like tests became more available and like they're they're a a more firm protocol fell into place but like at first i was you know i was so stressed out the first few months of the pandemic but i didn't feel like it was irresponsible to do the show because like for the, for the first months we did like literally everything from their two separate houses or if we all the guests were on zoom um and and people did seem really grateful huh. and, and so i don't want to discount like and and i don't want to discount how like the cabin fever that i felt early either or sure. like when basketball came back i was uh. like oh this makes every night of my life better. (laughs) But it is also like, if it didn't, if they were like, we can't do this safely, or if the players were like, this is unsafe and we don't, we, we can't work under these conditions. I would like 1 million percent stand with, with that. I mean, was it easier in the context for you since Jesus and Mero are like just pros, like those two have been doing things with each other and back and forth with each other for so long that, I mean, I can't, I can imagine there's like a a harmony and sort of a poetry to the way they work at this point. Do you think that was helpful in it? Yeah. Their, well, their chemistry with each other is like so incredibly good. It's infectious. And they're, yeah. it's, in, it's infectious. It's fun. And I think uh, uh, the other thing, it's it, not just like how good their chemistry is, but just the simple fact that there are two of them and because they improvise a lot mm. you know so much of the show is just them riffing right they surprise each other and laugh at each other which is such a a like a lovely element to the show where um you know other hosts like people writing for other shows and other hosts delivering monologue material just to camera don't have the benefit in, in their own homes of like 
someone else laughing at them on camera, like, you right. know, the way that you would have an audience laughter. Yeah, so right. they're, they're like cracking each other up, I think is such a joyful thing to witness during this time. Huh. And, and it, I, I think it like green lights you laughing at home a little bit more too. Sure. What was the first time you met, you met the Bodega boys? I didn't meet them. Like we knew of each other through Twitter and stuff. But the first time I met them was when I, um, when I interviewed for the job and it was, it was November 2018. And it was the day after the Red Sox had clinched the World Series against the Dodgers. (laughs) And I'm a big Red Sox fan and they're big Yankees fans. And so I walked into the interview and Jesus looks at me. I wasn't even wearing a hat. Jesus looks at me and goes, uh, goes uh i bet you're pretty fucking happy today <laughs> that was the first thing he said to me and uh i go yeah man it's great to win the world series you guys should give it a shot yeah oh, okay i'm sure he appreciated it was, that yeah. it, he did i think and yeah. it was like off i was off and running it was like yeah. a very good interview and i think like that i felt i feel really good when someone gives me shit in that way yeah like it feels like like someone thinks that I, it's like an, like an in-group thing. Like, like they say, like you only tease the ones you love or whatever, which I don't think is true, but you can tell the difference. (laughs) Yeah. No, you got, you got the proper like New York city initiation right there. Cause, cause it's not about, it's about how you take that. Yes. You know, that's what it's all about. You got to come in sometimes hot. Yep. When you're dealing with a new person to see if they can handle it, to see if yes. they can break balls and have some fun. And, and not, again, th- th- and that's the perfect level, right? It's yeah. not like abusive. It wasn't cruel. Right. It wasn't like yeah. out of bounds. It was like exactly the level that like when someone gives you shit, you should be able to take it in stride, especially yeah. a, as a comedy person. Yeah, and I think yeah. like that exchange was very fun and like... um you know, and, and, and like the vibes are really good in the room because of that. Uh, like when I did Conan in uh-huh. 2016, I, I don't know, like I truly don't want to give this away. I don't think this is a bit he does with every person, but he came into the green room and he was, he was so, so sweet that he came down. He came down and he was like, um, Hey, Josh, th- thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, so, so nice. I was like, so starstruck. I was like, this guy wrote the monorail episode of the Simpsons. And he <laughs> comes in. He's like, uh, thank you so much for doing the show. This is, I don't know if you noticed this. This is the biggest green room of all of them. And I wanted you to have it today because I always wanted you to remember that your first time doing the show, we tried to book a band and they weren't available. And it was so funny. And I I was just like, so like, I was like, oh, he's not, he's not like, is this guy going to do well? He's like, let's bring him in. You know, let's bring Josh into the the feeling of the show. Yeah. And it made me so happy. And uh, I go, can I have the... um can I eat the veggie platter? And he's like, no, 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 no. I'd prefer you didn't. And, uh, he, so we do the taping and it, it goes, it goes well. And he's so nice afterwards. He comes over, we shake hands in the, in the, on set. And he says, you know, some people, um, this, this made me like just everything he said. I was like, this is perfect. It was like such a, an exciting taping. Like it was so much fun. And he goes, he shakes my hand and he goes, you know, um, some it seemed like you're really having fun and some people who come on for the first time you can see that they're a little scared 
uh, there's a little fear in their eyes. And he's like, and I've learned long ago, it is none of their business. And he points like out to the audience. He goes, none of their business. What's going on in here? <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, and he goes, man. come sit down on the couch. So they sit down on the couch and he says, um, he says, uh, thank you. It was, um, Melinda, Melinda Rausch from Big Bang Theory. Tony Hale was the other guest. He was oh, like, and Josh cool. Gondelman, good night. And we wave from the couch. And, uh, and then he leans over to me and he goes, uh, you know, we, we can't use any of this, right? <laughs> and I go, oh yeah, I wouldn't. And he goes, we're just going to run an old episode of Get Smart. <laughs> and I go, I go, well, can I have the, those carrot sticks now? And he goes, no, those are for flea. <laughs> Ah, you really went in on you. This is and I'm like, you can see, I think there's like one second of it in over the credits as they're rolling where he fake yells at me and I fake am aghast. And my manager was in the wings and she after was like, is everything okay? <laughs> she was like, your face was like shocked. And I was like, oh yeah, it was just like, we were just goofing around. And she was like, good, 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 good. Like, you really sold it. <laughs> and like I love that kind of stuff like that kind yeah. I'm like very comfortable being like comedy bullied um or like talking like fake trash to someone who I yeah. know will like receive it well and lovingly um and and I'm I I think generally I tend towards like too earnest and just like appreciative of people <laughs> but I love being in a place where it's like I know if I say something just like just like a little mean to this person, they will take it as like, I love this. And like, I feel seen and I feel included. Right. Right. I was just telling Brad the last episode that I think because of where I'm from, text messaging has become a problem with me because Mm -hmm. I have that thing with people. I like to, you know, get into it right away. Kind of show where you're from, but in a real life context, you know, it's followed with like, Ah, I'm just fucking with you. Now. Yeah, like a yeah, yeah. Tap on the shoulder or something like that. <laughs> and I realize now I don't tap on the shoulder in text. And no one knows. It's just, just like a fucking dick. Yeah. It just sounds like, all right, you dumb son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was harsh. <laughs> well, you, well, you, you work with, um, with Chris Farron and Jeff Rosenstock, right? In Anarcto Vespucci, I which I love. I uh, band I love. And when I saw Chris, open for Jeff's live album recording, he gave like truly the funniest, (laughs) best intro I've ever seen. It was like so perfect. Yeah. Where he go, he said, essentially it was like, uh, you know, thanks. He was like, thanks everybody for having me. I'm going to bring out Jeff in a second. I just want to say, um, sometimes you have a friend in your life that, that teaches you to be your best self and make the art that you think is good and that you know is good rather than what you think people want and what will sell. Because really what's valuable is speaking from the heart and making the, the work from your soul. Uh, and for your headliner, I am that friend. <laughs> it's like, truly, I will never forget how funny that was. It's like such a great bit. And, and like, I love that kind of thing where it's like yeah. so clearly like, Everyone in the audience is in on, you know, this big crowd at, um, Bowery Ballroom right. or wherever it was. And, uh, and like, it's, it's not cruel, right? It's no. not like, 
it's it's and it's it's everybody understands that it's between friends and the opening act like kind of doing that to the headlining act is like a very funny direction to take that whereas like even if the headliner does that to the opener there's like a little bit of like Feels oh come little, on yeah right yeah right. like be nice to this person they're still struggling but like when the opener does it to yeah. the headliner it's so funny <laughs> jeff knows how to get his pants taken down for sure Mm-hmm. I got to be honest, when I'm on a Antarctica tour, especially the one time and often when Laura Stevenson comes out to do keys, the three of them together, it's like the biggest relief to just get in the van every day. You literally just sit back, grab a shitty coffee from somewhere and just watch mm-hmm. it like play out. And it is the funniest shit. I love that. Yeah. And three, three of my favorite artists and, and previous guests of the show. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Friends of the program. Multiple, I'd even multiple call guests. Friends of the program. Friends of the program. I didn't want to overstate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we talked about Conan a little bit. And, yeah. you know, he's obviously now known for what he is, but came up as a comic writer. And I always see these like top three, top five best stand ups of all time. It's always the same people on there. Now, to you, who is the best comic writer of all time? Oh, gosh. That's such a good question. Or is there like a Mount Rushmore? I mean, like, there's so many people that I, whose work I'm just like, man, like, just like, hmm. Conan is for sure up there having written for like SNL, The Simpsons, for his own show for so many years. I'm trying to think of people who, whose work I really, Love. I mean, like the team that works with, um, that has worked with Mike Schur over the years on like yeah. The Good Place and Parks and Rec. Sure. I have so much admiration for, um, gosh, I'm trying to think. There are these two books, uh, I forget by Mike Sachs, Michael Sachs, that are interviews with comedy writers. Mm. And I just like devoured them both. One's called Poking a Dead Frog. And then there, whoever, if people are listening and interested, they're easy to find. Mike Sachs, M, um, S A C H S. Um, but that, uh, the, and those books are just like full of people that I'm like, oh my gosh, this like so many brilliant insights. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, I like hate to, my problem is I, if I start naming, names i'm just gonna go for like three minutes like it's the end of like an early 90s rap song <laughs> and it's just like uh shout out to uh shout out to joe mandy <laughs> just gotta do it like all-star selections you know the people who get left off mm-hmm. maybe next year you know you can't feel yeah maybe bad. next year yeah. sorry sorry bradley beal you were scoring 30 on a team that's won eight games yeah. no starting you know what i always wondered about that about writing is you know like in music you'll have people that are really renowned as like a guitar player, but you know, they can't really outside of their band. They're not nearly the same, you know, it kind of takes the band. I'm just wondering, has there ever been a writer who was just like the absolute best writer for a show or for a particular person that just couldn't cut it outside Mm. or it just wasn't as interesting. Mm. I would say, I, I mean, just the way my disposition is, I would say I would flip it and say like, there are writers who like thrive more under certain circumstances. Right. <laughs> not that they're not funny under other circumstances. Like right. usually you have to like get the, you know, you have to like show something to get the job or whatever. But like, there sure. are people that like, you're just like, wow, their work when they wrote for SNL was incredible. And then the stuff they did after, like whatever the circumstances uh, didn't quite get to right. that level or whatever. Yeah, I but guess that's the same. Cause thing. I, yeah, I, I think it is the same thing, but I, I like, I am just, so, I'm like such a, like a reluctant to 
like speak, even sound like I'm like maybe speaking ill, then I'm just like, oh yeah, it's just like decent circumstances are bad and then better set up to thrive. <laughs> you, you know who else is like Julio Torres is someone whose stuff is like, Amazing, like the stuff he did for SNL was so great. And then Losa Spookies is so great. And his hour special, um, my favorite shapes is amazing. And I just like, I'm so impressed by someone like Julio who can, who has such a strong aesthetic and such a strong set of, um, values and interests as a writer and performer and can like bring that to so many different venues. I think Mm -hmm. that's really cool because I feel like excuse me, I I feel so impressed by that because I think something that I do is like, I'm pretty malleable. So like, there's stuff that you like, you know, in various places, you'd be like, oh, Josh probably pitched that. But it is, I do feel like the thing I do better than like bring myself everywhere I go is like, try to serve the project sometimes to the like, tamping down of like, what I think is, you know what I mean? Right. Right. what I what I would want to be doing. And I think like someone like Julio is like incredibly gifted at writing SNL sketches that also are so distinctive as like Julio Torres sketches. Right. I was, yeah, I was wondering that. Now, after all these years of comedy writing, uh, you know, when you're sitting down to do something, you know, for another show or for yourself, do you think after all this time, it comes from a place of what you think is funny? Or from what you yeah. know from experience, other people will think is funny. I I try only to pitch stuff that I think is funny, uh, especially if it's like a bigger piece that we're going to produce. So like there's that intersection of like, this is what I think the funniest thing in the world is. Right. And then this is what um, this is what I think will work. And then like if uh-huh. if people aren't buying what's over here, you kind of like all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll extend an olive branch, right. which is, which is something that I heard Mike Birbiglia talking about with just like stand up years ago. Okay. So was saying that like, what you want to do is like write it the way you think it should go. And then if it's not hitting, then you figure out like, mm-hmm. okay, what do I need to do to communicate the thing that I think is funny and true to other people in a way that they're ready to understand it? Yeah. I wish, I wish I musicians feel- got that chance. Like you could just go on stage and play a song then you kind of like stop in the middle. Your guy, guys, this one's not working. Let's, <laughs> let's bring it back to the space. Let's bring it back. We'll work it. We'll show you guys. Yeah, next I guess when we come back tomorrow night for the next like two weeks in a row, we'll try it again. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. With like the new, the new like, okay, chord uh, key change happens here yeah. instead. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, we're going to tink- uh, t- uh, tinker with the lyrics. Yeah. I, that's so funny, but I'm so jealous of musicians because it's like, okay, there's the five of us in the studio uh, and we wrote this song and we played it and, and, and we send it out into the world and then people yeah. like learn it the way it is. <laughs> people love it right. the way it is. It's like a team. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah you're just like a, a coach. Yes. And, and with, with stand up, I feel, I feel like I go out on stage and I'm like, oh, how about this? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> like I've it's been doing it long enough that it's not like nerve wracking, but right. it's definitely like I'm putting it out there. Yeah. yeah. Nope. Not this time. Got it. <laughs> so uh, that, that still happens. That's funny. All right. Last question about writing. Now, I read somewhere sure. that you have a deep love for the film Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so here's what happens. Tomorrow, you're just working, and you get a call from director Rowdy Harrington. Mm-hmm. He calls you. He says, Josh, I love your writing. I love your sensibility. Here's the keys to the sequel 
Roadhouse 2. <laughs> now, wow. how do we honor Dalton? And we put yep. Roadhouse 2 together. And what's, what's the pitch? I feel like the easy one. Okay. So this is maybe not easy, but this is the pitch for <laughs> okay. sure. This is, and, and I've seen it done a couple of times with reboots recently. Okay. And I think it, it is like an effective move, which is they, they did it in the, the Bill and Ted, the new Bill and Ted movie and in the new coming to America, which is right. like, okay, Dalton's daughter is now yes. the like bar the either cooler. she's the bouncer or she's the bar yeah or the cooler right yeah. or she's the bar owner that needs to find a cooler that has mm. the qualities of her uh-huh. father something like that so like you you it you make it a little less like dudes broing out than yeah. the the original sure. one was sure, sure. and then you try to bring like a generational connection to it that's that's my like immediate idea we still casting Sam Elliott. You got, I mean, ben look, as long as Sam's, Sam Elliott's alive, we're casting Sam Elliott. I think Sam's I feel like Ben Gazzara, Ben Gazzara's been vanquished, though, right? What I it, feel like we need a new villain. We need a new villain. We need a new villain. Maybe his yeah. kid. Maybe his kid. <laughs> <laughs> now, if if you had a list, like if you had to cast, let's just let's just say for the sake of being a group of men in a group chat here, if you had to cast Dalton now. Like, yeah. who is the new Patrick Swayze? I would go Statham. Can he dance? Uh. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I would go Statham, though, because I think he is, is, like, great at the action stuff. Like, he's kind of one of the last the last actors who will just do, like, straight-up genre action movies yeah. as, like, most of his career, oh, like, the, the steady to, diet yeah. of those. He and down, he yeah. was so good in Spy um doing like kind of not taking himself too seriously so i think like kind of a campy roadhousey movie you go like that character of like the gruff man you go statham that's yeah. that's my call i like that off the dome yeah are we making it are we gonna taking someone's throat out towards the end just he's got to as an homage because i feel like <laughs> fans of the original will lose their minds yeah Right, because he Dalton does it like two or three times, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, That's like his move. I mean, well, it's the great irony of that movie, which is he spends the first like forty-five minutes of it telling everyone to relax, yep. be cool, be nice, and be then nice. just murders everyone. You know, that's like, that's the, the heart of my book <laughs> that came out in twenty nineteen is the idea of like how. I think about that speech all the time. And and like we were talking about before with like complaining about stuff or sending food back. It's like, be nice until it's time to not be nice. Right. Right. And then they go, well, how do we know when some not be nice? And he goes, I'll tell you. And it's like, (laughs) I wish someone would be like, Hey Josh, time to not be nice. And I'd be like, okay. (laughs) But like, I'm just like, you know, I will just like let any behavior slide. And then I have to be like, Oh, I should stand up for something. You need a little Dalton on your shoulders. I need a little Dalton. That's what it is. A Dalton and a Costanza. Dalton. You need a Dalton. I think this is. Yeah, we got. All right. So we have mini Daltons, mini Costanzas on each shoulder. And you're pretty much covered for life, right? That's who does it. Yeah. But you're not supposed to listen to Costanza. That's the devil. You can have two Daltons on your shoulder. There's no tension. (laughs) Imagine those two going at it. Costanza and Dalton. I would, you know, they they could CGI and sim so many things these days. Can't someone do that? They each other. I feel like I'm so. I've become such a cynical audience for like Super Bowl commercials. Um, because it's like they've gone down. I think the 
And I, I agree. I think they've gotten less fun and I think they've gotten more openly cynical. Like obviously advertising is advertising, but I feel like the, the level of pandering that happens now is like so visible. <laughs> um, whereas like in the, when I just, maybe I was just a kid then, but like, like the Budweiser commercials with like the what's up guys. It's like, that's annoying, but it's its own thing. Yeah. And, and then now I just feel like everything's like a reference to six other things. Anyway, I, not the point, but yeah. the, the, the commercial <laughs> during the Super Bowl this year, right? With the, the Jason Alexander hoodie <laughs> really did get me because I was like, this is so weird. Like whoever wrote <laughs> this is like a legitimately funny writer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Now you were, I know Brad's going to flip out if we start talking about sports, but I saw you had Zach Lowe and Mina Kimes on your podcast. I know you're a fan. Yes, yes. And so one, one sports question I'm going to ask is based on my loose math, you must have been a freshman or a sophomore in college when the Red Sox broke the drought. Yep. Can you tell me what you were doing and how you got into it? Yes, it was terrific. I So in 2003, I was a freshman in college when they, um, when Grady Little, Little left Pedro Martinez right in too long and there's the Aaron Boone home run. Remember uh, it well. Yes. And so that, that, my friend Matt, who is from Newton, Mass, uh, who's a great dude, he was so steamed and like, we were just like around people from other places, including a bunch of like kind of casual Yankees fans who were like, right. yeah, we, uh, we won the series. And he, I had to like take him for a walk. That was, I had to be like, Hey man, it's all right. There's always next year. And we like took the walk. And then 2004, 2004 was. Great. I just was like so excited, was on right. campus at Brandeis, so like close to the city. Didn't mm-hmm. uh, I, my room my roommate freshman year is was a childhood friend and he I believe went into the city for the parade, but okay. I, I like didn't I didn't end up going. But yeah, it was it was so exciting. It was um I remember saying to my dad, I was like, I really think grandpa can can die happy at this point. Nice. And my dad was like don't say that. Like, meaning, like, uh, I think uh-oh. you might, like, be too right. Like your famous yeah. last like, word. I think he might think that, and we don't want him to get oh. any ideas. Like, oh, like, they want him out? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. Just, like, like oh, okay. don't say that around him before he's like, yeah, that was the last thing okay. on the bucket okay, list. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, I went dark. Just, went dark. No, 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 that's okay. I mean, I took it dark to, to start with. But, yeah, and then in 07, when they won again... I was um I, I was just out of school and and watched like with my with like the same group of people pretty right. much and we were like roommates in Austin Mass the year after college. But I will say in in 04 the, coming back from down 03 in that Yankees series in the ALCS that was like the um the World Series wasn't as competitive, right? It like it was like a sweep I think or maybe five yeah. and so, and that coming back in that seven game series against the Yankees it felt like they could not possibly lose the World Series yeah. at that point. Even Yankees it was, fans it knew it by by yeah, game it was, five. Something <laughs> funny was going on. It was inconceivable to yeah. me that like after that series ended, that they would then lose to the Cardinals, and we would be like, <laughs> again, yeah, this again, yeah. There's no again. chance, no chance at that point. It was fate. It was crazy. Sorry, but Brad. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Brad. <laughs> So Brad came up. Well, with this a little, is a good segue yeah. for our game. Please, sure is. is that what you were going to say? Yeah, perfect. I set you Since up. Since you Brad. have that <laughs> silver platter, big guy. Since 
make my day your podcast is if anybody hasn't hasn't listened to it you should it's really fun yeah, it i think yeah. um where you ask people questions to basically cheer you up um i don't know if these will, these might cheer us up but uh we you know everybody always talks about the la new york city comparison but we want to go brooklyn boston okay let's do it <laughs> so we got a couple of questions here um food food so what's your like most like favorite like brooklyn oriented food and what would you like and what's what's boston so the thing i've been really nostalgic for boston food lately i haven't been home since christmas 2019 and so the thing that i miss so much from from boston and i've been thinking about it like nonstop for the past 2 weeks as it seems like we're getting closer to me being able to go visit my parents is um there are these like every town has its own or more than one like famous roast beef like sub shop basically that specializes in like thin cut roast beef sandwiches mm. and a lot of them are roast beef and seafood which is a baffling combination wow. that i didn't realize was not normal until like literally two years ago like when i went yeah. home that christmas i was like walking with my, my wife had come to visit my family my wife maris and i were walking to a dunkin donuts <laughs> for my parents <laughs> house and i said um I was like, oh, Liberty Bell. We've never gone there when you've come to see my parents. It's like one of those roast beef and seafood places. Like, and she was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, that's not anything. <laughs> and the I famous even, one. I didn't even know about that. The famous one is Kelly's Roast Beef. Yeah. That That is like, there's one on Revere Beach. There's one in Saugus. There's, like a few, there's one in Logan Airport now that does a roast beef breakfast sandwich that almost killed me (laughs) but um but those so they have like roast beef and like clam strips and then lobster rolls when they're in season and that's i miss that that specific thing so much we talked about fried fried clams or or fried clams yeah 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 uh, not like not like steamed i think it's like not quite a high enough quality to do like a steamer but um (laughs) the but yeah, okay. that, so that kind of stuff. And the the one that is like famous, I've been doing a lot of roast beef research lately, is the that the, you order a roast beef three-way, which is cheese, mayo, barbecue sauce. Oh, and that man. is like a very, and it's on like a toasted oh. onion roll usually. Sounds and it's good. like a very, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> there's like, obviously there's roast beef sandwiches everywhere, but like the roast beef culture is like such a nor and it's not even all of Massachusetts. It's like right. North Shore, Boston. Is yeah, no, I, like I wasn't full. aware of these. Are you digging into it, roast beef just just for kicks or you got something going I've, on roast beef related? I've, I've been I've been missing that. Like I've been missing home and just like thinking about that. And then the more I've been thinking about it, the more I've been researching it. And there's this, I don't want to say the name because it's a private group, but there's like several thousand people in this private Facebook group that's all just uh reviews of individual roast beef sandwiches people have eaten <laughs> wow <laughs> roast beef culture and roast beef culture and they're like the reviews are all like incredibly aggressive yeah. so they're all like uh it'll all be like um flavor of the beef five stars go fuck yourself guy <laughs> it's like, 10 out of 10 yeah you, you shit in your mother's mouth if you think different <laughs> And it's so ridiculous. I like, I love it so much and I miss it. So when next time I go home, I think I'm going to, I'm going on like a roast beef sandwich tour of the North Shore and I'm going to like go, I'm going to go with my parents and then I'm going to take my sister to the place near, uh, on Revere Beach near my my grandparents who who have both passed away used to live. And then I'm going to go up to like, 
further north and my friend has a, a baby or a one-year-old now that I've never met and like try to uh, see him and his and his wife and their two kids. And so I'm going to go on like the, the like roast beef, the post-pandemic like roast beef and family tour. That's and I like, awesome. it's like the thing I am truly the most excited about in the world, maybe. <laughs> There's got to, have you gotten wind of like a convention or anything yet? Like once a year in New Bedford I'm, at like the Holiday whoa. Inn, they like meet in the basement <laughs> or something. The beef off? Yeah. yeah. There's got to be something. I would for sure, I'd for sure go to that. Like I would, <laughs> I would like cancel. I would like <laughs> call in sick from work. I hope to, like, you'd cover the it. Beef contest. You'd have to cover it at that I'm, point. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to write about, well, I'm going to write about this trip and then hope, and hopefully I like, I discover some interesting things, but like, I'm just like really excited to do that. And, and, yeah. um, and, and, and like, I miss like just the preponderance of like fried seafood or like just any seafood as like a summer food. Right. I've, I've occasionally will do like a Brooklyn lobster roll, but they're always from like, or almost always from places that are like, sure, we also have a lobster roll and it's right. like too expensive. And Not a lobster you go roll by like, place. Yeah, you want to get it out of like a trailer or a shack and they like, it's like, you're like, I can't believe this is 23 bucks. And then there's like a whole lobster and then you see another lobster crying and they're like, my family, it's all in that roll. <laughs> and uh, and so that's like what you want from it. Right. Um, and I'm just, let me think about like Brooklyn, the Brooklyn food that I love because I'm like a, I'm a real eater. Um, the thing... I feel like a hack just like the thing I get the most when we go out is like a, or not even when I go out, but like the thing when the world is open that I do the most is just like a bodega tuna fish sandwich, which I'll have like two to three nights a week. Oh, um, oh, just coming home yeah. from, from stand up shows. But like the, my favorite place, I'm trying to think of like favorite places. You know what? This is, I, as like an, an adult, um, I've gotten into like, uh, a little fancier cocktail now and again. And I think like the, the culture of that, that's like not fussy and pretentious, like, uh, like we're a mixology bar. Everybody has a bow tie. That's a mustache or whatever. Um, it's just like a place that's like, we also do great cocktails. And I think our neighborhood is really good for that. Um, and, and there's a, there's a couple bars that have done really great takeaway cocktails through the, um, through the Mm. pandemic. And so my wife and I have allowed ourselves to be like, well, look, yeah. we'll t- it's a walk to the place. So that's like going outside. It's like half a mile each way. And then Getting we come steps. back. Now we can get drunk supporting, on the way back. Yeah. yeah we're supporting local businesses. Right. Like this is, you know what? We're being good uh, community members. <laughs> it's one pro-pandemic thing is how any little neighborhood or town anywhere in America that had more than like four bars in a couple blocks has turned into fucking New Orleans. Yeah. Yes, you know, for sure. Everyone's drinking out of bags, drunk on the curb. Like it's such a um it's such an annoying um like prudish thing that like you can't have a drink yeah. outside. Yeah. I think it's crazy. Like it really it seems like it's it's just like the existence of those laws is to like crack down on unhoused people and, and like yeah. obviously if someone is being like belligerently drunk at a Santa Con or whatever <laughs> sure. like that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. But like adults having a cocktail on a stoop is like delightful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I remember every time I'm in Europe and I'm just like walking around a street having a beer like it's an anomaly. Yeah. I like this, this shouldn't be an anomaly. This is painfully it's so nice. normal it's so, it's and so nice. Pleasant. Yeah. It's so pleasant. And like the idea of um having to just like stay especially because the options are like 
you're sometimes like, oh, this bar is so crowded. I wish we could just like go to a park right. and and have a have a glass of wine or something or yeah. a beer if if you want to have a drink in the evening. Obviously, no no pressure on people that don't want to drink to drink, but if you want to, you should be able to do it outside. Yeah, yeah. it's civilized. Civilized. Right, here's, your, here's another question, Brooklyn and uh, Boston mm-hmm. fashion. What should you wear in Brooklyn to appear native? Oh and gosh, what should you wear in Boston mm. to appear to blend in. Interesting. <laughs> so when I was living in Boston for most of the time after school, I was in Alston which is like very, like a lot of BU students, a lot of BC. Mm-hmm. It's like between BU and BC. It was where I lived. That's where all the basement shows are, right? In, in Boston. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a lot of great venues there. Yeah. Great Scott, yeah. um, which I think is closed. Which Yeah, just I closed, I love Great right? Scott. I know. Yeah. It was such a bummer. I have, uh, it used to be right behind me, but I moved in. Um, a poster, I did a um, Thanksgiving show there one year when I came back. I, I like had my birthday there. Oh, I had a show there a couple times. Yeah, I, I like, lo- and then kind of just, east which i th- i don't know if it's alston or like it, it's just like west boston or whatever like that's not the name of the neighborhood but like if it's technically alston but like the paradise is another great mm-hmm. venue that mm-hmm. i've seen great shows at and performed at once or twice um so I, I i live there and i feel like there you can there are like more neighborhoods in boston that feel like you can get away with dressing like a little sweatpantsier um <laughs> because they're you know it's like oh this is like Every hungover college student is dressed like that. Right. <laughs> right. And there are so many neighborhoods where that are just like swamped by that um, right. for better or worse. And I think in in Brooklyn, I don't know. I think, every, well, this last year has been a real sweatpants year and right. I've really backslid. But <laughs> I think it used to be... Um, it used to be like this. I felt like there was a, a long run of a reign of skinny jeans, yeah. which I liked. I'm a sure. pro skinny jeans person. Yeah. Um, but now I'm seeing more of those like cool people. It, maybe not in my neighborhood, but in like cool neighborhoods where like hipper artists, like a, in a Bushwick, uh, like those like baggy, not Jinko baggy, but like baggier clothes are coming back into yeah. fashion. It feels like. Yeah, I think I started seeing some bell bottoms kicking around, stuff like that's going. Yeah, 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 and, and just like cropped, like like wide leg cropped pants, and I'm like, wow, this is because to me that is like truly a return to my middle school and high school years, yeah, right? Where the pants were uh, just I describe them in my book. I describe them as like two denim sleeping bags <laughs> side by side. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Yeah. Yeah, the no the no feet tribe. The no feet, right? And then the back of them, uh, just all like shredded to shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I never thought for someone with like an unusual body shape, such as myself, mm-hmm. I always thought I was like, oh, good, baggy clothes. Like I'm nice and yep. safe. No one can yep. see anything. Cool. But then I put on some slimmer stuff. Getting older, I'm like, fuck. That actually makes you look a little slimmer. You know, all yeah, this baggy think- stuff makes you. Look a little bigger. I I think you can. There, I'm like trying to to learn that as I grow older. Of like, oh, just get clothes that fit and you look good in them, <laughs> right? instead of like trying to like trick people uh-huh. into being like putting yourself in, like just wearing a um a deal or no deal briefcase as clothes. <laughs> and people be like, ooh, what's in there? Oh. It's just like dress for the body you have, and it and it looks good because it looks good, right? Right. <laughs> 
That's a good point. That's awesome. All right, last question. Mm -hmm. Fun. Somebody who's never been there before, say out of town cousin or somebody, comes to visit you in Brooklyn or Boston. Ooh, where do you take them? Yeah, your Jew- so- your Jewish cop brother in laws come. <laughs> who I read about. <laughs> we gotta talk about that anomaly too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's fascinating. Um, my my wife's brothers, um, who are who are bo- both police officers. They, I, I mean. I honestly don't know what they do for fun. <laughs> I think I would just, I think I would take them to, um, I mean, it's like asking like, what a does a unicorn do for entertainment? Right. Because right, right, they right. don't exist exactly. in the wild until I read about this. <laughs> but in, in Brooklyn, I think in my neighborhood, the, you, I think it's like a fun excuse to do the stuff. Like when someone visits to do the stuff that you wouldn't do yeah, week to week. Right. Exactly. Sure. So like in my neighborhood or not in my neighborhood, but like, walkable about a mile in a couple directions you can go to like a bar that has bocce like a union hall right and so that's what i would do i think i would go oh you want you want to have like a fun night out on the town um in like my quadrant of brooklyn we'll go to union hall we'll play bocce we'll like go see an independent comedy show or or band play um downstairs and that's like that's like a a a night that's good brooklyn yeah i think that's what i would do and in boston I'm trying to think. I would recommend so and in New York, like there's there's you know, the New York stuff is like easier because it's more famous too, right? Where you can be like, oh, do you want to go to the the Guggenheim, you know, <laughs> right. from right. television and film and history? Right. Uh and in Boston, I there there are also great like museums and, and things like that. The aquarium. I love that aquarium. Oh, the aquarium's great? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which is like the Guggenheim of fish. It is, actually. <laughs> That's what made me think of it. <laughs> that, I knew it. Because, yeah, it's like a corkscrew that you walk up and it's just like one big tank. Yeah, the aquarium rules. Um, my favorite is the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum. Okay. Which is, it's it was like this one super wealthy lady's house and her private art collection. And when she died, right. she was like, all the art stays the way it is, but it can be a museum, but you can't move anything. And then in 1991, I want to say it, uh, a bunch of art got stolen. It's the largest unsolved art heist in history. Yeah. There's a great podcast about it called last scene S E E N. It's, it's awesome. It's like my favorite crime story. Um, and, and so there's like, hundreds of millions maybe uh, tens of millions certainly of art stolen never recovered and wow. you can see where it used to be because they can't put anything else where it was mm. so there's like empty canvas like empty frames wow. where canvases oh, were just cut out of the frames crazy. yeah and it's like a cool weird mansion yeah it's like the joker um, went through there or something it is yeah it's like the joker was there <laughs> maybe it was the joker they should interview they should interrogate him that's awesome <laughs> But that is like, that's for sure. It's like a very specific Boston thing where it's oh, like, yeah, you're not going to quite see that anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a, a do a to do. Did you see yeah. the Casey Affleck Dunkin' Donuts bit? Oh yeah, for sure. Too fucking I'm funny. like, I know it's so good. I like wish it weren't him. Cause like, he's oh. such like a, a fraught figure. I wish it were Ben, honestly. Is Casey <laughs> fraught? This- Did he do bad things? Yeah, oh, I think there man. were some like he's uh, some accusations of him being abusive. I like that one. I, uh, God damn it! I know he was. He was I know a good it's one. a bummer. I'm pro. I'm pro Ben. He's he's my favorite Affleck. He does. He does, <laughs> he does very little wrong these days. You know, like I know. he has a couple reindeer games in his past that I think put him in a strange box. 
But mm-hmm. he's got a, a heck of a body of work at this point, right? He really, he really does, and he's got two Oscars, which is right. wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the other thing, the other Ben Affleck thing. First of all, this is terrific in Gone Girl. Yeah. I think. He was so right. good in Gone Girl yeah. that you go, I don't know that he's acting, which I think is the best acting. Sure. <laughs> Where yeah, just right. like, I think that's just like what he does. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> he was. Um, and he, there's the, the, the story that has been told, um, about him on the set where he's in either LaGuardia Airport or JFK in, in a scene and he's all the TVs are playing his story and his face is on all the TVs and he's trying to flee um, because everyone thinks he killed his wife. And he has to wear, he buys a hat at the airport and wears it low down over his eyes so people don't recognize him. And D- David Fincher was like, it's a, um, you've got to buy this Yankees hat at the kiosk. That's the scene and you put it on. And he's like, I'm not wearing a Yankees hat. He went, wow, really? <laughs> and they shut down. This is, this is like widely retold. I, I, I hope I'm not like being, yeah, but he was it. like, yeah. he was like, um, I will not wear this Yankees hat and it stopped production on the movie for four days. <laughs> Well, they found a, a suitable hat, wow. which ended up being a Mets hat, which is literally the next thing you'd think of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it, but it was because he was like in the standoff with David Fincher, and Fincher in the t- he tells oh it on God. the Gone Girl like director's commentary. He's like uh, kind of this kind of unprofessional prick, and it's like, well, after one day of a standoff you're also at fault. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to write around, like, you don't have to do rewrites in the script if it's a Mets hat versus a Yankees yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah. you could easily sell the Mets. I mean, you could be like, hey, I'm a random Phillies fan for no reason. It's, Phillies fan. It's it could close. Be, it could be like FDNY, right? He's, right. He loves the fire department. Right. <laughs> so true. And, uh, like, what it, it could be like, any hat you could find at LaGuardia Airport or, or JFK Airport, whatever. And, and it caused, and, and so, like, I have a, um, a real, like, hometown, like, oh, I, as much as I, we talked before about how I hate inconveniencing people and I hate like the idea of like shutting down production for four days because of a hat preference. But there is a level at which I'm like, I have to admire that he was willing to go to this length yeah. for that that specific cause. Yeah, I re- I even <laughs> respect it. Even as a Yankees fan, I respect that. Good for you. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, man. yes, I would want a, like if if Jesus and Marrow yeah. were cast in a movie and they were like, oh yeah, you're at the New England Aquarium. I don't want to see you don't that. Get sunburned. You put on Red Sox hats. It's like I would want them to be like, yeah. absolutely, we won't. <laughs> I don't even want to see that. I'm like scared. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Them. Oh, it'd be weird. Ooh. You'd be like someone kidnapped Jesus and Marrow. Yeah. These are deep fakes. Like, are they okay? See, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really see. I didn't understand it until you put it in that context. And now I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the aquarium. But we did, we did for the show season one. We did like kind of quick deep fake things because that technology is like kind of emerging. And yeah. we did Jesus and Marrow deep fakes, and I voiced the Marrow one, oh. and I was like. Go Red Sox. <laughs> and I think it made it to the show with Marrow being like, God damn it, Josh. Like, I could tell it was my voice immediately. What's your Marrow sound like? How did you do it? I do. I did not do an impression. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, hello, it's I, the kid Marrow. Right. Okay. Murky water to do to your bosses. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I know even if you're not an optimistic character at home, you know, I can't say what you are there. But you give off a very optimistic 
point of view. You know, you coach people on Twitter and, and do all these things to try to bring a little light into the world. Um, like functionally, what are, what are the types of things that you tell yourself in order to stay optimistic? Is, is optimism simply like a discipline where you need to continue to tell yourself the same things? What are your tricks to just kind of keep that focus? Oh, that's a great question. I think like stuff that is really helpful and restorative to me, because I'm not like, you know, sometimes I'll get asked to do stuff that's like a little more sincere and a little less comedy. And I'm like, well, you have to realize I don't know anything. I'm like just a dummy uh, with like a lucky brain. And, but I do think like, I'm I'm not like immune to feeling bad or feeling discouraged. And the things that like really are restorative to me is like connecting with people that I, excuse me, connecting with people that I love and, and care about. And like, you know, talking to, talking to them, doing, doing uh, things in person with them when that's possible. Um, that's really helpful to me. Doing stuff that's like within my control is like a big mm. career thing for me. Like instead of, waiting around like, oh, I hope this thing sells or like, I hope that I get hired for this job being like, I'm going to make something that I like. Right. And then, and then do, you know, do what I can with it mm-hmm. instead of like, instead of focusing on like the industry show so business just focus career on the outcomes, creation. Focusing on the creation is like super helpful mm-hmm. to me. It's just like make the thing that I, I want to make right. and then, and then find a way to show it off, like whatever that is. And, and that is like, super helpful to me. And then like, I mean, this, this will sound pandery like on, on your, on the show, but like going to see live music is like such a thing for me. Mm. And so, because it, it is like the time I can most reliably turn my brain off. Mm. Um, cause it, it's such like a, it's, I mean, like a, you know, going to a show is so visceral and so like your body is involved. Whereas like, and it's so outside of anything that I do or am good right, at. Right. So like when I'm at a movie sometimes, it is great and I can get immersed, but I'm also like, Cutting it up. oh, this like ha- kind of has some third act problem. Yeah, like right. I get like, I, I like <laughs> it's find it harder to turn off work sure. brain. But like if I'm at a show, I'm just like, this is fucking awesome. Right, 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 right. <laughs> you can get swept up in it more. Yeah, and just like have that, it, it like fully immerse myself in the joy, even even under like weird circumstances. Like right. a couple of years ago, I saw Wu-Tang at Terminal 5. Okay. And we were, it was smashed full. Must like it was be, the yeah. most full I've ever seen a show there. And we had to watch, like to have any kind of vantage point where you could see and stand. We were on the lowest level back in the hallway behind the back bar, oh. looking through, <laughs> like you can, they have hanging glassware, looking under yeah. the hanging glassware. I know that all spot. the way yeah. through. Yeah. 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 It's the spot. only place we could stand. And yeah. I was like, this still rules. Like Wu Tang rules. This is awesome. <laughs> I love this. Um, so that and that kind of stuff, like that, that kind of thing, or like even, you know, I, I think more reliably, even than like, I'm a big basketball fan and and that kind of stuff, but like doing stuff as a fan and and doing and and like enjoy like enjoying things is so helpful and like that's that's such like facile advice, especially if I like if people are listening to this and are like I have like depression and it's like oh yeah 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 I'm right. not like a mental health professional <laughs> I just mean Go like when you're like <laughs> yeah 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 but like when you're I feel like if you're grumpy or feel like stuck or um 
have kind of just like a situational thing. I think like being a fan of something and, and like in, enjoying stuff is so um and and being around people are 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 like the big things. And again, such like simple dumb advice, mm-hmm. but I really like it it is stuff that I forget to do right. where I'll be like, "Oh, I haven't like done something for fun in three weeks. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's just been like, I've worked and then I've come home and I've gone to sleep or, um, you know, I've worked and then I've done like, I, Oh, I had this thing to do as a favor for a friend. This, you know, that, that I had to like go do something like quasi professional right. or like, but going to like support my friends and, and go to see bands that I love or like, it's so that specifically seeing, seeing live music is like, I'm out of my own, head a little bit i'm just like enjoying an art form that i have no aptitude for or like i have never attempted to like do at a professional level and it's just like such a um the experience it's like a physical experience yeah so what what have you been doing like this year when those things have been taken away from you has it sort of turned a little more you know philosophical as a result it's been it's been tough i mean like fortunately i'm here at home with my wife and so i've done a lot of like cooking and like a little baking and that kind of stuff that's like I'm doing something physical I'm staying off the internet because my hands are busy I'm listening to a podcast um and then we're like enjoying a meal together that like I made that's like that kind of stuff just like the the real simplicity of it and and is so grounding to be like oh thank goodness I'm here home with like my favorite person and we get to we're like taking this this like a horrible global time and the the like soothing part of it is that we get to be together and like together in for an expansive time that we've like never spent this much time together before right i don't think any two people do yeah just like a year in three rooms total yeah. and you can't go anywhere yeah brad's in brad's in three rooms with two extra ones right yeah i got two kids in a oh my gosh in a thousand square foot apartment. Wow, wow, wow. What's your trick, Brad, for being an optimist? It's uh, alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also the other the other thing is like having make like stuff like this, like doing a even doing my podcast, doing doing friends podcasts, it has been so uh psychologically beneficial because it is like, you know, it's like a professional thing, obviously. And like the people who like I work really hard on my show you work really hard to make your show, but it's also, there's like a a level at which it is social. And like, I'm having a conversation True. that's outside of like, um, man, uh, I fucking wish I could visit my parents or what, you know what I mean? Right. And just like, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but in a way that's not just like me being like, this, this sucks. Like I would just text a friend and be like, I'm cranky. This sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I do, I like that stuff has been, has made me feel really connected, like getting to, to like just goof around and like, and talk a little trash with friends for like an hour or two is so, um, enormously uh, uplifting to my mood. That's awesome. It's so a fun you. show. I it think really it's a perfect good. pandemic show to listen to. Uh, oh, thank <laughs> you. I had so much fun listening to this. Can we have like a Zach Lowe appreciation 60 seconds? <laughs> I just want to hang out with that guy. Am I the only one? He seems Zach rules. Yeah. He's like, you see, Zach Lowe I'm fan. like, I'm like, usually I have an issue being such a big sports fan sometimes, which is I usually am not hearing anybody like me talk. You know, yep. they're either from the, just super nerdy camp or super jockey camp, you yep. know, and I, I kind of have a hard time relating 
and Zach, I'm listening to, I'm like, ah, oh, this is like a guy I'd actually hang out with. He seems reasonable. You know, I, I assume you're a Celtics yes. fan. I am a big Celtics fan, um, which I think he has said that he grew up as a Celtics fan. So, yeah. so he has some like Celtics sympathies. Sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love, I think that there's like a whole new wave of yeah. people who are like covering sports in a real sincere and thoughtful way um, that are like, that that are like enjoying sports and also thinking about them in, in like a thoughtful way and also not just doing the like hot take right. old guy of like yeah. he's not trying hard enough ship his bum ass out of town yeah, right, like right, that right. kind of stuff and it's i i think that's wonderful and like so many like women who are like sports writers right. and podcasters and in like a way that is like oh this is so cool there's just such like a breadth of voice and perspective and engagement and uh it's become and, more and nuanced is like right so much more nuanced and, and, and in a way that's like you're not just hearing the same arguments rehashed right. that i felt like i was hearing for the first like 20 years of my life well it's interesting you mentioned that and i you know quickly i i've seen the same thing as you where there's some personalities coming out of that world that feel like they have a lot more depth to me but on my first thought i'm like oh maybe this is a fallout of the fact of you know post Colin Kaepernick, LeBron James sports world is inherently political and nuanced now. And just your blockheaded jock type, you know, may, may not have a enough depth to even go into that stuff. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I think there's still like, unfortunately an appeal to people like you got to stand for the anthem or else you, you hate cops and you hate America and you hate Eagles and you hate football or like, you know what I mean? Like that, (laughs) that's just like so tiresome to me, but I think some people still will listen to those guys. But like, it's so cool to like Mina, who's also, who I also had on my show. She's great. It's just like so smart and so funny and like, and it's cool that not everybody is like a, like a 55-year-old white dude who's had a newspaper column for 30 years. Yeah, right. And <laughs> it's just like, okay, trotting out like why you should run out the uh, ground ball even if you know you're going to be out. And it's like, cool. Oh. Do you hear about some of those fun little rules they're putting in in the minors this year? No. We got uh, in, in double A, they're trying where you're allowed to shift but an infielder is not allowed to touch the outfield grass. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, to allow the middle of the field. So not everyone's trying to yeah. get home runs again. There's another one in single A where they increase the size of the base by a small margin, assuming that that's going to help with stolen bases. Um, interesting. The, I'm into that. The 15 second pitch clock that some of them are yep. doing, which I'm all for. Yep. I like this stuff. Do you like this stuff? Me too. I I like I like um tweaking little things to make it a more enjoyable experience. I'm not a super like um tradition based person, especially like when it makes the game right. more fun and more exciting. Like I don't, you know, I was joking my friend um Hannah Kaiser writes about baseball for Yahoo and she has a show called The Bandwagon and I pitched to her. She was like she was working on this uh series about like one big rule to like having people come on. She was going to have me come on and pitch just like what I would do to fix baseball. And mine was you can accrue as many outs until you're like, 
in in a live play, you can keep accruing outs that cross over to the next inning. So like if you strike someone out and someone's trying to steal second, oh, you can get a fourth uh, out on a strike them out, throw them out, and that carries over to the uh, next inning. I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, you know, like long division <laughs> just carries over. <laughs> you got to adapt. Where would the NBA be without the three-point shot? You know, you got to do this. I know. Things. Well, then there's people that like my, I talked to my dad who's like, who's like, I don't like how many three-pointers they take. He, he finds that like aesthetically displeasing, which I, I, I do agree. get when you see every team, and especially on a night where a team is shooting 53s and hitting 15. Right. It's just like, it's, it can get pretty ugly. I agree. I think, uh, I think basketball, there's, there's something coming in the next year or two to bigger court, make a bigger, bigger court. court. The guys like are this. bigger. You know, look how much bigger they are yeah, than they were, but you know, like, what you know, 50 years but ago. But what could happen with a bigger court is what these newer players are showing you. They, they have unlimited range. And part of yeah. the reason scoring is so insane is because guys like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard can regularly hit at a high volume and a high clip. 35, 30. 40 feet. So this stretches yeah. the defense where no one can defend anyone mm-hmm. anymore. So if you make it even bigger, I, I th- it might might even make it worse. So not to get too wonky about it, but I like watching the... I, I don't love all the Celtics players' shot selection. I feel like contested two-pointers are tough, but I do think there there's going to be... I think my hope is that we get a little swing towards um, like mid-range, like 12 to 15 foot, finding those seams in a defense and like pulling up from there because it's a slightly lower percentage shot. But when you're shooting it well, I forget who said it. I don't know if it was Steve Kerr Mm. was like, we, we don't avoid those shots like like the the Houston Rockets of a couple of years right. ago, they'll be like None everything at the rim or right. beyond three. You because if you're if they if the defense knows you're going to take a 15 footer, sometimes they have to defend the whole yeah, court right. in a way they don't have to if they don't think you're going to shoot from there. Sure. And I I heard that on uh, in an interview and was like, oh, that's so smart. Yeah. Like of course you're, you're like making the defense work harder when you're like, oh, these players will pull up from anywhere. <laughs> like Marcus Smart should be going to the rim. You shouldn't be yes. trying to pull up over six foot eight guys seven times no. a game as he does. Yeah. No. Agreed. I, but man, I love Marcus Smart. Uh, he's, I'm so glad he's Everybody healthy. wants a Marcus Smart. Everybody. We got one. I now. have a Marcus we Smart. We got a Bruce Brown. We have one now. I'm so I happy. I know. Very exciting. Very exciting. He's my new man. I have, crush. I have a smart jersey hanging up behind my desk at the Jesus and Mero office. Nice. And there's a piece. I have it as my, uh, my computer desktop most of the time, but uh, there is a piece that we did where Jesus and Mero went back to the office to like look at how everything had changed yeah. in the pandemic. Oh, yeah, and Mero went to set the jersey on fire. Yeah. Well, that one's just unfair. <laughs> I mean, at least Yankees, Red Sox, those guys can get back. Yeah, you can Celtics, talk about Knicks 27 is... rings. You can, you can mm-hmm. actually have a healthy conversation. Knicks versus Celtics. You know, yeah, not, it's not it's not, not a, a um, not a contest historically. <laughs> no, it's not. They had a few years in the '90s, but even then, they didn't get any titles. Yeah, and even then, they were like the weirdest team who just like beat people yeah. up and like <laughs> weren't even. Yeah, they were good, but yeah. So I want to find out what are you uh, at home? What kind of music you listening to right now? Any uh, podcasts or books that you quite like that you oh, want to recommend? Okay, let me. Let me do some recommending. I have been, okay, lately, okay, lately with music, mm-hmm. there have been a few things that I've been really into. Um, 
at the end of last year, I discovered this rapper from Detroit. I discovered, I like came upon the, <laughs> right. the back catalog of this rapper from Detroit named Boldy James, who put out four records wow. last year, which is like, just wow. like wild output during right. the pandemic. Yeah. And the two, my two favorites are Manger on McNichol. I'm like pulling out my phone to make sure I don't get it wrong. There's one called Big Bad Boldy. And then there's one called Manger on McNichol. Okay. And those are really great. Um, Benny the Butcher also like in, in terms of rap. And then I've, I've been going back to listen to a lot of old MF Doom since his passing as well. Um, great. Then recent music, like new, new stuff. Um, Julian Baker's new album, uh, Little Oblivions is awesome. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I, I am not like, not every singer songwriter album grabs like even really beautiful, well-beloved ones. I feel like sometimes I like like a fuller sound, Mm -hmm. even in that kind that genre. And this just like, it sounds really like big even when it's spare i don't know maybe Mm. i'm saying that wrong but like that's how it feels to me and then the new hold steady album open door policy nice uh i got put on um to beach bunny okay and i've been listening to some of them their their ep from last year no album from last year called honeymoon and then that's like a lot of the recent stuff um yeah, that, it's been a lot of that. And then I've been like going back through to like kind of fill in. Like my friends were teasing me because I'm a big Hold Steady fan, but had never really like gone deep with um, uh, Lifter Polar. So I've been like going through their back. It was so cool that they were giving you like shit about Lifter Polar. I'd like to have a word with them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, take it easy. But, Whoever you are, take um, it easy. Take, thank you. <laughs> um, and then, and oh, last year, maybe, I mean, the Benny the Butcher record and, uh, and Jeff Rosenstock's record last year yeah, were two of my favorites. Jeff's is great. As well as, um, Waxahachie's record yeah, last year. That record. Those cool. are 2020. Friend of the program, Jeff yeah. Rosenstock. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Friend of the program. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't use his proper title. Um, so that's, that's like, I just threw a lot of stuff up, but that's yeah. like the music that I've really been listening to. Um, podcast stuff. Always Zach Lowe, yeah. especially when the NBA is in season. Um, Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Ligon just started a new podcast called Spinsters. Oh, cool. That is, it's like re- a really cool new basketball podcast that I'm like really psyched about. Check that out. Um, yeah. yeah, it's great. Big Doughboys fan. I don't know if you've ever listened to them. They They review chain restaurants. Okay. Um, that's really that's fun. fun. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Let me see what else. There's. I'm sure I'm missing something like super obvious that I listen to. My wife Maris has a podcast called The Maris Review where she reviews authors. Um, cool. And she, that's great. She's so, so good um, at that. Like just like incredible at that. Yeah. Um, I heard that you were reading. Uh, I saw somewhere in an interview that you were reading the books that your wife likes to read to try to like, Oh Get yeah, to yeah, know yeah. Her, you know, inspiration I've, better. I've, I'm like, she, wow. She gives what a she gives incredible recommendations yeah. to. Like, I would say some of my favorite books of all time were things that I recommended that she was just like, oh, try this, and I was like, holy shit, how did you know that? Right. Like, it just cool. like it felt like there was like a divot in my brain that that book like patched over. Nice. Um, this yeah, like the sellout by Paul Beatty was one that she recommended and I loved. And um, oh gosh, um, the Sisters Brothers by Patrick Duet. Hmm. Uh, which rules like both like really funny and like kind of biting and just terrific. Cool. Um, and lately I've read, um, my friend, uh, Kelsey McKinney has a book coming out in the summer called God Spare the Girls. 
And it's like a really beautiful, sad novel about like a controversy in like a Texas megachurch. Oh, wow. Interesting. Um, Yeah, really lovely, um, really sweet. And then uh, by the time this is out, my friend Jen Spira, who used to write for Colbert, has this like really dark, really funny short story collection called Big Time that's like that will be out um, as of, I mean, tomorrow as of the recording. And it's like, I was reading it and just like, it like kind of rattled my bones in this uh-huh. way. I'm like, this is so funny and it makes me so sad and I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> I'm like, it's just like, uh-huh. I was like, man, that, that is such a like very George Saundersy. If anybody is like, if people listening are like looking for a frame of reference. Um, Sounds yeah. Effective. So that's like what I've, I would like super recommend it. It's like very weird, cool. very funny. Um, yeah. Well, the- sorry to just like spit out. No, a million no, things. that's why I asked that's- you. I'm I'm definitely gonna check out any rapper with uh, manger in the title of the album because yeah that just sounds oh, man. interesting. That album right is like it's so dark and like um I would start with I I keep like looking at my phone because I don't want to no, I like I, always I say it. things like slightly wrong. It's the modern age. That's um, why we don't know any phone numbers anymore. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, Detroit River Rock is the song, and it's just like it almost feels like a song suite. It just is. It like rules. It's awesome. It's so bleak and like I don't know. It's it's just awesome. I I was like when I found I found one of the albums just like looking on iTunes for like what's new rap music like an old person does, and then I like went. I was like this guy put out you know went and then started looking at reviews, and I was like oh cool, and they said this one is the masterpiece, and I was like all right, right. and uh. It just is like, I don't know, a very, I was like, where has this guy been? Uh, you know, you're like, why haven't I known about That's this? That's how I find Which comics. Which is such a, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I listen to an album this, I like and I'm like, all right, what's Apple telling yeah. me that I'll think is funny? Totally. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to think of who, what comics, because it's been like, I think, a lightish year for albums and stuff. Yeah. Um, I just watched the new Brian Regan special, which was filmed during the pandemic, but at outside at Red Rocks. Okay. What do you think of like Chappelle's body of work he's been doing this year? I, man. Like it's tricky, right? What, what do you think about that? I don't feel like the authority on the work of Dave Chappelle. You know what I mean? I think he is such an incisive and insightful cultural critic when he's talking about race yeah. in America. And I think like in some of his other work, he has like some some blind spots that he choose, that he elects to yeah. leave as blind spots right. and that to me is a bummer because like when he is on and when he's like like observing keenly and writing to like the full extent of his like Dave Chappelle power yeah. he's like the funniest person and, and just like that his you know the last few years of his work have kind of been shot through with it, like, you know, just like stuff uh, about trans people. That's like such a bummer to hear. Yeah. I'm just like, man, I, and, and again, he's like one of the all time masters of the form. And I don't want to be like, I know better, but it just, as a fan, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm like bummed out by it. Like it, 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 it hurts a little bit to hear. Yeah. Sure. Um, and he, I mean, like we ran, we ran into him one time at a bar in LA and it was just like one of the most magical, exciting, kind of like five years ago or something. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, this is so exciting. And like, so I really have this like 
incredible longstanding affection for him. So I don't say this as like, I'm some uh, white guy who knows what's best for everybody. <laughs> right. uh, and, but I, it is like, you know, some of the recent stuff is like, some of the stuff he does is so bracing and, and thoughtful and like, like, uncomfortably funny yeah. about about race and i'm just like oh fuck i, I see myself in that right, in a right. way i don't like and he's so good yeah. and then i think some of the the other stuff that you know about like gender and stuff i'm just like man i like if this if you either just like let this slide yeah. or were as thoughtful about this as you were about some of the other stuff right. it would just be like an an unblemished yeah catalog of work the double down was strange right it was like yeah I, and, like anybody could accept the fact that you maybe willingly went into something with a, you know, the wrong set of knowledge or, you know, the, sure. the wrong attitude. And if he came out, like you said, either let it go or, yep. you know. Or was like, oh, you know what? Like, I don't think there's, I, I think like being a comedian, and this is me talking about me sure. more than like me being prescriptive for Dave Chappelle. But like, I think being a comedian, sometimes you, you say stuff that's, that's like, off key in a way you don't realize and people say it and you go and and to me the thing to do is to be like oh Oh, right i'm sorry i didn't realize that it was that that what i said was something that was like uncaring or hurtful and that was that was wrong of me to say Uh, or like i will do better in the future i'll do i'll do things differently in the future um and i think like you know, there are times where I want to like double down on a joke, but it's usually not for those reasons. Normally it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) I, I made fun of Mr. Bean on Twitter and people yelled at me for like two days. And I was just like, absolutely. I will not recant my joke about Mr. Bean. What does Atkinson (laughs) files got you? It was huge Atkinson fans. That was the problem was that I referred to him as Mr. Bean and like made some dismissive comment about like, Oh, you want to hear what Mr. Bean says about this? Have you never seen rat race? People were like, uh, actually, Blackadder is one of the greatest histories, uh, greatest sitcoms in the history of British television. And I was like, cool, out of the eight sitcoms you have, this was one of the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, just like really shitting on British comedy fans. Oh, man. What, what do you do if the next time you're, you go to England, like Rowan Atkinson is at the show and he's like, what's up, Josh? <laughs> kind of gives you a little bit. You get into it I, with him? I was... I'll get into it with him. I also, I'll probably apologize, but I, because I wasn't even anti-bean. People would be like, oh, you don't, I was like, look, I just don't know. Like, why would you expect that I've seen your favorite show from 35 years right. ago? You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's like, I was just so mad at the people. I was like, leave Rowan Atkinson out of this. I truly, like, if what you say is he's great, sure. But like, why do you expect me to know? Right. Like, all of his bits were like, Things that my dad grew up quoting. It was like nobody, <laughs> nobody in my house in 1991 when the show was on was watching sitcoms on PBS. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we didn't get BBC yet. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so funny. Man. But it was like that kind of stuff where I, I, I feel like it is so, especially as a comic, when you're like, no, but what I said was funny. But like, I think sometimes you have to like, it's hard to parse out the the real incisive critique that's hard to hear from the stuff that's just like some dummy on Twitter right. being like, uh, actually, um, the rock is, is, is not seven feet tall. And you're like, yeah, that's the joke. <laughs> that's the joke right? <laughs> and it's uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, I think like I try to be, I try to like have a filter, an intake filter, not mm. like an outgoing filter necessary. I mean that too, but like an intake filter for like what's, 
what's critique that's like someone being like, oh, this is this is something that you might want to know because the thing that you said is hurtful in a way you might not have intended or maybe did, but like I want you to hear the impact of that right. versus like, uh, fact checked, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> I think you nailed the Twitter accent. That's it. That is the Twitter accent. <laughs> Perfect. The voice of Twitter. All right, man. Josh, that was awesome. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Josh. Yowza. That was great. Brad, sorry for the... Uh, listen, he's a sports fan. I had to get into it. I know. You know? It's fine. It's okay. It was It was good. You, you know what you don't want to be, Brad? You don't want to be Mr. IPA no sports guy. Like it's, I don't mi- <laughs> it's a bad look. I don't you know? mind the sports talk. I um, I don't mind it. it just, just I don't want it to go on for too long. <laughs> I mean, you talk a lot of shit for someone who doesn't mind it's it. It's another show. Don't you have that show? <laughs> what show don't you have a sports talk show <laughs> i do i do so you want me to save it all for there and keep it no, out no, of here no no no, no. Uh, i wouldn't i would I never i would never try to restrain you oh thank you but let's prop our uh our silk city hot sauce um sponsor right now because yes it's a good product for one thing guess who just used it this morning on his eggs oh. this guy I did a po' boy yesterday that I used the one of yeah. the sweeter versions. Like it, it's one of the fruity versions. Oh, uh, uh, like the mango or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's what it's it was. Really good. What we're talking about is a company called Silk City Hot Sauce, who's helping the program going off track. And currently, if you go to silkcityhotsauce.com dot com and use the promo code G O T, you get fifteen percent off and a free bottle of hot sauce and a bunch of stickers and cool stuff like that. Um, we like this company because yeah. it is a small company, not owned by the man. They are growing <laughs> locally owned peppers, uh, right. locally grown peppers, all natural ingredients, no funny stuff, no fillers. It's just like good product stuff. I'm actually allowed to bring into my uh, organic household and not get yelled at, you know? Yeah. And they've got, they've all the flavors have really cool artwork that's done by um, like working comic artists. Yeah. So it's artwork. You can put it up on your counter and and show it off. Art meets food, you know, like art meets food in a good way. Yeah. That's the best. It's, it's, this isn't some art school student laying out at their, you know, senior thesis covering themselves in meat, which is usually how art meets food, you know? (laughs) (laughs) so did you see that in art school by any chance oh i saw a lot of stuff i did see uses of meat in art for sure (laughs) yeah yes (laughs) there's always strange uses of meat oh speaking of that too josh gondelman loves roast beef oh god does he ever i I haven't eaten roast beef in 25 years but i kind of wanted one of those sandwiches i gotta be honest yeah you were kind of out of that conversation, weren't you? I was describing a Philly cheesesteak to my son the other day and thinking mm. like, oh, it's been a long time since I had one of those. That'd be nice. Right, swing by here on your way to Philly. I might have to do it. It's an ugly, ugly um, thing. No, but I, I appreciate, listen, I'm not that kind of vegetarian. I actually just finished a conversation with somebody uh, where I recently have come to grips with the fact that maybe killing deer is okay. 
<laughs> and I don't know if I'm the only vegetarian. Because listen, this is what the I've been told. The longer you stay out there in the sticks, the more you're going to feel. I know. It happened there. really quick, actually. And where... the next time you pull a tick off one of your kids, you're going to be like, right. shoot them all. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing that really, and I'd love to hear people's opinions on this because I'm super fresh into this like fundamental research. But at first I was super offended by the idea of these deer hunts. You know, it seemed like, like what's happening is just hunting militias going out there and just like murdering deer. Like, what are they doing with it? And then, you know, I read some information about what the deer are doing to the forest. I can understand their impetus. So I go and I'm like, all right, what's like the hippie method to taking care of this? Like, what's the safer, you know, healthier method for deer? And apparently the alternative is shooting them with like a hormone or a uh, oh, yeah. estrogen that prevents them from having little baby deer for three right. years. Right. And you know, yeah, I'm vegetarian, but I'm also a, a human on this earth who believes in the cycles that, that happen around me and shooting another animal with something that doesn't let them have babies for three years feels maybe a little more unnatural than someone killing it and using it. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Like as far as like the concept of like an earthly circle goes, you know, it seems like it makes a little more sense maybe. So I would love to hear more opinions because I'm super fresh into this topic and I would love if there is a, uh, I don't know, some more info on it. I'm sure there's plenty, <laughs> but I get it. The point is I get it now and I'm not offended by someone who eats roast beef. I actually can recall really well working at Deli's and having to open up a new roast beef and all the blood pours out of it. Yeah. It's, it's the, the gnarliest of the deli meats to work with. Yeah. So yeah. if you're a vegetarian working at a deli and you've handled roast beef, you know what's up. <laughs> really interesting stuff. This is gripping. <laughs> if you want to catch up with uh, Josh, and you definitely absolutely should if you didn't figure that out from this fucking show. Yeah. He's at Josh Gondelman on our socials. His Make My Day podcast is really good. I, I've yeah. been listening to it. I love it. And honestly, if you're not onto the Days of Sin Marrow fucking tip yet, then like, yeah, I don't know where you've been because yeah. that's the funniest shit there is. Right now. It's really fucking good. <laughs> it really is. I want to hang out with those guys. Oh, totally. I mean, that's that's the whole point. Like, my wife was pointing out the thing about she's like, I think I do. I know these guys from Max yeah. Fish, right? right like, right. or one of mm -hmm. them used to hang there, and like, I was like, probably, but it's just they just seem like those guys that you know. I've seen literally half a dozen Brooklyn bartenders that look like Dizus. Yeah, 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 and they're always <laughs> so cool. Like, they're always yeah, so yeah. cool to chill and have a beer with. Check out all of Josh's stuff. I mean, he's got a book out and he's like, you know, he, there's nothing but content for that guy. Oh, he's and, prolific. Uh, we got books, yeah. podcasts, writing, stand-up, albums. Prolific. Yeah. Prolific guy. And, yeah, and does definitely... it all without being pissed off, you know? Oh, yeah. Which is that's like, pretty amazing. Yeah. It's a refreshing I mean, attitude. It really is. It's really nice to see these days. And anybody known as the the nicest man in something you gotta, you gotta put in some legwork to get a title like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure he's been fucking Actually. nice to a lot of people. Oh, well, he was nice yeah. to us. Thanks. He was Josh. Nice to us. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for coming on. 
really enjoyed this talk. And I'm sorry if I overstep my bounds. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'll, I'll, it'll, it'll come with a mitzvah eventually. That one was for us, not you, Brett. <laughs> Keep in touch with us at goingofftrack.com, at goingofftrack on the socials. Uh, if you want to support us for real, patreon.com slash goingofftrack. Lots of incentives there. Go check it out. I'm not going to dish them all out here, but uh, check it out. And yeah. um, we'll see you all next week. Thanks so much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.